Hello. Just before the episode gets started, I wanted to issue a quick trigger warning. We discuss a film called Welcome to Chechnya, which is about violence against people in the LGBTQ plus community that is occurring in Chechnya. Uh, it's a heavy subject matter. And while we don't go into detail about anything violent in our discussion, we do talk about the emotional and physical abuse that people are experiencing in that part of the world. I want to encourage you to listen only if you feel ready for that. Thanks. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and we are looking at some of the best films of 2020 for this season of the podcast. On previous episodes, we've talked about films like The Assistant and Dick Johnson is Dead, and in upcoming episodes, we'll look at Nomadland, Mank, One Night in Miami, and many more. Today's film is Welcome to Chechnya, a powerful new documentary about the danger facing the LGBTQ plus community in that part of the world. Basically, uh, the Chechen government and police are, right now, today, capturing and torturing people in Chechnya because of their sexual orientation. This film details what's going on there, and it follows a group of activists as they work to rescue people from the country. It's honestly pretty astounding just how how bad things are, and the filmmakers here have captured some incredible footage of the situation there. Not only of the horrors, but also of the human moments as these people who are in hiding express their fears and their hopes. We see tragic moments of, of leaving family behind, some beautiful moments of, of being reunited with family members. It's really a powerful documentary. It's streaming now on HBO Max, and I highly recommend that you watch it. Uh, in this podcast, we do spoil one thing that happens near the end of the film. I don't think it would affect your experience of the film too much if you listen to this podcast first, and it's also something you could read about in the news of the last few years, but still, you may want to watch the film first uh, or just tune out of the podcast at that point in our conversation. Joining me today to talk about Welcome to Chechnya is a very special guest, my friend and filmmaker, Dyer Bentz. Uh, Dyer is actually my childhood best friend. Uh, from kindergarten through about second or third grade, I think, um, we were best friends. Uh, but then our families moved away from each other, and we basically lost touch until just a few years ago. We reconnected through Facebook. Uh, he was able to visit my family here in Arkansas last year uh, and meet my kids and my wife. And I learned at that point that he, too, is a lover of cinema, and he spent many years working on film and photography projects. Uh, I knew I had to get him on the podcast sometime, not only to talk movies, but to talk about his movies, including um, what we are going to talk about in just a second, his exciting new travel documentary called Pedal South. Um, so we'll get into that. Welcome to the podcast, Dyer Bence. How are you today? Howdy, man. I'm doing all right. I've had a pretty fantastic week even despite literally falling through a ceiling the other day. You fell through a ceiling. Uh, I, I, was okay? getting a, <laughs> I was getting a dead possum out of an attic and I like mm. put too much weight on the drywall and I literally, like the cartoons, fell through the ceiling into the kitchen <laughs> of my upstairs neighbor's home. It was absurd oh and gosh. I'm totally fine, not a scratch. But my, uh, I'm hum I'm humbled and uh, aware of mortality, in a good way. There you go. <laughs> you know that weirdly might be a good segue into talking about your film project. So before we talk about Welcome to Chechnya, I would love to hear a little bit about your project, which is called Pedal South. Um, so yeah, tell us what is Pedal South and and how did you create it? Totally, 
Um, so Pell South is a project long in the making. Um, back right around, let's see, in college, I did some kind of long distance bike rides through a, mm -hmm. a charity thing and through some other stuff and really just got into that world. And um, one of my favorite aspects of doing like long distance cycling uh, are also called uh, touring, cycle touring, mm -hmm. is where you're carrying all your stuff and you're, you're getting yourself from place to place. And it's just the absolute best way in the world to meet people, strangers mm -hmm. who immediately they ask you, you know, like, where did you where'd you come from? And, and holy cow. And then they just want to talk and talk <laughs> and share their world with you and often invite you into their home. Yeah. And, um, and that goes anywhere in the world. Um, you show up on a bike with all your stuff strapped on there and people are down to talk. So that got me just wow. excited about the idea of, of storytelling from the bike. And so um, some other filmmaker friends and I in college, we just decided to go big and figure out what is the longest route we could imagine um, and bring along camera gear and cycle the entire thing and make a documentary out of the, ex out of the experience just kind of sharing what life on the bike is like and also um, just as a means of sharing the stories of the people of the America and so we decided to the longest route we could find was Alaska to Argentina so we um, took 21 months cycling that route uh, 14 countries, 14,000 miles, and we were filming and um, capturing stories in our own journey the whole way. That's so remarkable. And so I'm lucky enough that I've seen a little preview of some of this footage and it's, it's really great. It's I'm biased obviously, cause I know the person in the footage, but um, it's like, it's part travelogue, it's part nature documentary feeling. And then it's part this kind of Agnes Varda style human storytelling. It's really compelling and I can't wait to see the rest of it. Um, as I was watching it, uh, it's it's gorgeously shot uh, but so many questions popped in my head like are you guys gonna have conflict on the road amongst each other will you ever find yourselves in mortal danger will you die from exhaustion and and so i'm sure that once the rest of the series is released uh that some of those questions will be answered but maybe you can tell us just briefly what are some of the challenges that you faced on the road for so long thank you man yeah i'm um so we all had different roles but everyone kind of partook in 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 all the aspects of making the film. I only shot a tiny bit. Um, it's mostly our mm. incredible two cinematographers who are to thank for how beautiful it looks. Um, and that is kind of what shocks people the most who hear about our project and assume that we're using GoPros and that it's all shaky and kind of low quality. Mm. Um, it's uh, the cinematic aspect of it was hugely important to us and that's very apparent in, in the quality. And, I, and I'm, yeah, excited it looks to, yeah. I'm excited for people to see that for sure. But yeah, but um, to, to the adventure aspect, um, it was an adventure and kind of the way I've really <laughs> come to describe the word adventure is w the number one factor that makes it an adventure is when there's just ridiculous challenges, unforeseen mm -hmm. ridiculous challenges daily, you know, like mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. And, um, and that was the case for us. Yeah, we had obviously the dangers everyone imagines of being robbed or just the, the harsh climate, uh, camping outside all the time. Um, but what most people don't realize is that like number one most dangerous part of the entire thing was the potential of being hit by a vehicle every single mm -hmm. day. We were, mm -hmm. you know, there's this, uh, the Pan American Highway it's called, it's kind of a system of highways that goes all the way down the west coast of both continents and 
plenty of times there's only one road. So every single semi, anyone who needs to go through that area is zooming right, right alongside you. So that was the biggest danger. But um, yeah, the challenges of also just the team dynamics where, you know, any group of people going through a trying thing um, are going to have some some strife and struggles between them. And then you yeah. put you put four creative minded uh, mm -hmm. uh, people together and tell them to make a, a series or a film. And, you know, we would butt heads constantly because we mm -hmm. all like had ideas of how it could be done better. Um, yeah. And then just the logistics and what a lot of people also, what we're trying to get across in this is that it is us filming and us mm -hmm. being the characters. There's only four of us. Um, and so there's no film crew and that's what we really want to make apparent. Yeah. Uh, the challenges <laughs> of doing a bike ride around the world are uh, compiled with the challenges of making a film of it. And so, yeah, plenty of challenges, um, but that's a lot of whining which uh, is all <laughs> ridiculously surpassed by the beauty and, and, and good parts of adventure that we got to experience yeah. mm -hmm. every single day. So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the shots of nature and then the shots of just people's faces. You got some great, great close-ups. Um, and so as I thought about like where all you guys went, like I, for some reason I didn't even think about Canada. Like you went through Canada, so that you mm -hmm. see people from Canada, and then all the way through South and Central America, and uh, yeah, it's it's. I'm really excited to watch the rest of this. It's really pretty cool, and and I think you know, <laughs> don't feel too bad about whining about. it. I think so. The challenges are are part of what makes it such an interesting thing. So because that's baked into the story, I think uh, that we're gonna see once this is all released. So anyway, I'm really excited to watch it. How long are you planning for episodes to be? How many episodes? And then is there like a status of like what's the next step? For releasing it and all that for sure um we gathered um over a thousand hours of footage uh during mm -hmm. the actual filming of it you know almost two years on the road there's a lot to film and um wow. it took us literally two years just to go through everything and uh we've been working on it ourselves in post since then um mm -hmm. we're in the process now of actually working on individual episodes uh this is all kind of to be determined in detail, but sure, sure, sure. essentially it's gonna, we're looking at a, a mini series style documentary. So mm -hmm. um, anywhere from, anywhere, somewhere around six episodes of maybe a dramatic uh, show length. So 45 yeah. to an hour. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's where we're at right now. Well, that's really exciting. Uh, that is Pedal South. I I'm, I'm can't wait to watch the rest of this. Uh, I'll make sure to share it out on social media whenever there are updates and news about it um, because it's definitely one that I'm going to be watching. So, yeah, thanks for thanks for making Pedal South. I'm excited to see it. No doubt. Well, all right. Now let's get into our discussion of Welcome to Chechnya. Скажи, пожалуйста, насколько критична ситуация? Дело в том, что мой дядя узнал про мою ориентацию вот недавно. Угу. Он в любом случае меня убьет. Аня, мы приедем. Мы начали получать первые сообщения из Чечни о том, что в Чечне происходит массовое задержание геев. I wanted to ask you about the alleged abduction and torture of gay men in the Republic. It's 
Alright, let's talk about Welcome to Chechnya. So this is a, a sobering and harrowing look um, from filmmaker David France at the experience of members of the LGBT community living in Chechnya. Um, and at the extreme persecution they're facing. Uh, so gay people in Chechnya live in fear for their lives. Since 2017 especially, many have been tortured or killed at the hands of Chechen police and government officials. So this documentary is shining a light on these atrocities that are happening right now and then follows a group of LGBT activists as they rescue people and help them relocate in other countries as refugees. So it makes for a viewing experience that's very intense. It's quite heavy at times, really emotional, uh, but also really thrilling and, and nerve wracking. And um, I don't know, it's, it's good cinema, but it's also clearly doing uh, shining light on something that's really important and, and kind of doing a good thing in the world. So there's a lot there, but I thought I might first ask you, Dyer, as a, um, a documentary filmmaker about the production of this and kind of your impression. How effective did you find the storytelling here, especially with regards to like the shooting and the editing of it? Um, yeah, there's so much I can say in response to that question. Um, as far as, you know, uh, uh, bringing just my own very minimal uh, relative experience in documentary to, to this response, um, doing a project like this in which not only your own life is at stake, but mm. the lives of others, and as you see in the film, their entire families, um, it's... It, I, I'm I'm just like shaking in the corner thinking about it, mm. and to imagine all the unbelievable work that went into the, the making of this film, some of which is evident in the, in the movie itself, um, mm. but a majority of a majority of it that you know the audience won't even be aware of. It's it it just it baffles me. It's incredible, um, yeah. and yeah, I think it's so to the to the to your question of uh, was it effective. I think pretty ridiculously so. Um, hmm. So the first thing I, you know, the, the the most striking part of this movie is these these um, real footage. Both, you know, sometimes there's footage of a kind of cell phone video of terrible hmm. acts um, occurring to people that was posted by the perpetrators of of hmm. of the incidents, um, which is hard to fathom. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how it, it cuts in and says, you know, this video was intercepted by LGBT activists and then it'll show this, yeah, this horrifying clip of something happening. But yeah, go on. Mm -hmm. And so point being, so those videos and also the footage the crew gathered themselves of, of, of kind of underground uh, railroad mm -hmm. style rescues of people, yeah. that footage as well. Um, it's just, it's so harrowing to imagine how it was shot and how they mm. did it. Um, anyways, and so some, you know, documentaries these days, especially ones that are a little more abstract or don't have footage of stuff going down in the moment, will get creative and use mm. animations or something to tell the story. Mm -hmm. um, but this requires no creative storytelling. What it requires is just like honoring the unbelievable mm. footage that they they gathered and sourced um and so i think it does a really good job of keeping it extremely simple and straightforward and like well edited super smooth storylines um mm -hmm. i think the way they the the number of characters they like main characters they explored was perfectly done and they also introed mm. them really smoothly someone would come in early yeah as a you, you might think they're tertiary and just helping out on the side and then of course just by anyone who's wrapped up in this 
their life uh, is in mm. danger as well. Being affected. And yeah. so you have a tertiary character who then has to escape at the end of the film. And so I, mm -hmm. I, I felt like I constantly was there, never confused, always aware of, of, of the subject and the pacing was perfect. Um, yeah, I thought it was just very well done. Yeah, I completely agree. I was really, um, <laughs> I don't know, taken with this in a way that, yeah, it's it's so harrowing and um, like emotionally troubling, you know, and that's that's the point of it. But it's, uh, yeah, I thought it was really really well done, and so much of it was filmed in secret. I think that's an interesting thing. So a lot of the, the cameras were hidden, and you can kind of tell in the footage, um, especially as like you know it's a policeman looking at someone's passport or something and you're just holding your breath to see how they're going to get through this checkpoint on their way out. I read an article about the making of this on documentary.org and I'll link that in the show notes, but it talks about some of the cameras they used. A lot of this was like camera jargon that's over my head because I'm not a filmmaker, but then they also talked about using iPhones and GoPros for a lot of it. Um, and the director wanted it to all be in 4k. And so they used, you know, iPhones can do that now. And, um, there was an interesting quote from one of the camera people, Alexandra Ivanova, and she talked about that decision. And she said, here's the quote, I decided not to use any special equipment or hidden cameras. For example, for example, a camera on your eyeglasses. In Russia, this equipment needs certain certifications and permissions. Without them, you could be considered a spy and face time in prison. So I thought that was really interesting that uh, even the camera choices were affected by kind of safety concerns. Um, and it's like, I think in, in, in Pedal South and your project, I saw some of those kind of eye cameras at one point. So they were limited even in in what equipment they could use. I thought that was a just an interesting touch to all of this. So interesting. So interesting. I, I yeah, I read the articles you sent as well. And like going into the details of their filmmaking setup is unbelievable. Like they so much pre preparation of they said they, you know, beat up the kind of consumer level camera. The best camera they used in the whole film mm -hmm. was just a little handy cam tourist thing. And they purposefully kind of roughed it up, put tape on it, made it look mm -hmm. like a toy or something. Um, and then just, yeah, using using an iPhone to control mm -hmm. the, the camera's operation while holding the camera under his armpit and just turning yeah. his body. Like, it's oh awesome. I mean, <laughs> I knew like insane. that yeah. scene you just describing that scene of the of the border patrol or whatever you'd call them um checking the passport yeah. like i'm sh i'm like shaking thinking about it yeah. that is the most tense thing i've seen in so long it and is, uh and, insane, and you're just yeah. thinking like you're you're shaking for for the subject of course her life is at stake but mm -hmm. also as a cameraman like as i definitely have filmed in a few situations that i would call scary or hairy in which you need to just mm -hmm. be on your toes be aware and you know maybe you realize you need to conceal your camera for any number of reasons um and it is mm -hmm. it's like it's really frightening but i've never been in a situation yeah. like that my goodness and, sure um, yeah yeah it's kind of off the scale of uh in incredible footage and, and 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 of course like you mentioned that that the footage of of atrocities happening that that it cuts in and i think that helps that helps to set up the stakes so well in case you thought these people were exaggerating like no you've seen horrible things happening and so you know kind of what's at stake as you're watching these things it's really interesting um, another fascinating aspect of this is the way they disguise the identities of the subjects so many of these people needed to remain anonymous um, but instead of like blurring their faces out um, the director decided to use like an ai basically like a deep fake kind of thing that we see on social media and stuff or like in the irishman last year kind of that facial masking but he does it in a way 
that um, they actually filmed other people's faces kind of going through these same emotions and then yeah ai matched it on but it also is done in a way where there's a little bit of a blurry edge around it it, it explains this at the beginning of the film that what they're doing um and it, so you can tell i think it's interesting you can tell who is under this veil and who is not um you, it, but at the same time it kind of you can still see the emotion in their faces so yeah i, I thought it was a really interesting technique what was your impression of that kind of face blurring uh it's definitely one of the most fascinating parts of the whole film. Both mm. like the technology of how they did it is incredible, yeah. but also to me the the like metaphorical effect um, mm. is just like outstanding. Like I'm all about in any medium, um, in any artistic medium, like anything that like stretches the bounds of that medium in particular. You know, it means that that is how this story is supposed to be told. And like, mm. wow. you know, if you think of this movie. Be you know as a book or something, or just being done um, five years ago. You know, I don't I don't know how recent that technology is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure it's you know improving every month or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you imagine this movie with completely like blacked out figures in the dark yeah. rooms with a distorted FBI voice, or or with just a complete blurring over their face, I mean it. I don't think it would work. Uh, half yeah, as well different. Mm-hmm. Um, the the ability to have a real face there and see their actual emotions um, both both the horrendous like despairing ones but also the beautiful like intimate little moments of love and happiness throughout this yeah. um, mm-hmm. just it made the whole film work like uh, it was incredible yeah. and so you know that was the coolest part the you didn't even have to suspend your disbelief um, to be there emotionally. Um, but also, mm-hmm. you know, I had an interesting thought about this, and I'm glad you sent that article about the specifics of this tech because I was wondering, like, I imagine, you know, just like uh, the uh, Scorsese picture you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. it's almost indistinguishable, this, this effect, when they really spend enough time and money on it. And so, right. you know, I, I, I only assume the technology will get better and better, and maybe it's already to the point where it wouldn't even be noticeable. And I am glad that either through limitation or their decision, it was mm-hmm. noticeable in this because yeah. the effect of like knowing that it wasn't their actual face um, yeah. was so interesting. Both like, I mean, th- like thematically, it's, you know, it, it, uh, it just plays into this idea that these people literally cannot show their actual selves in public. You know what I mean? Like this... Yeah, you can immediately identify who has a target on their back. Yeah, right. These are the shadow people. Like these are the people who mm. cannot literally be themselves. Um, it just—it's so yeah. perfect for this story. And then just that subtle yeah. haze of it was just—it's so eerie mm-hmm. and like mystifying. And um, so yeah, I just thought it was fascinating. And I liked in in one of those articles, it said that for the first uh, number of shots of anyone who had that effect on, they actually dialed up the power of it to make it mm. more apparent that it was a fake face mm-hmm. because after a while you might forget and you just become used to that character. And so, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was incredible and what yeah. it just enabled this film to, to work. And in my opinion, like empowered it and made it even better. Mm-hmm. So cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. And, and it, so there's actually an interesting moment, which we'll talk about in a minute. That's I guess a mild spoiler where it 
it kind of plays with that idea too of you know when the veil is there and when it's not uh, so, so kind of along those lines let's talk about a couple of the characters a couple of the most memorable storylines here i think those are um, the character of anya and of grisha these are not their real names um because they're again in hiding but anya's story this is the opening of the film we see um this activist character who uh he, he does a lot of the storytelling in like talking heads of this film too but he answers a phone call and uh to kind of briefly tell anya's story she, it's anya and she says um that her uncle has found out that she's gay and that um he's threatening her uh basically threatening to out her unless she performs sexual favors for him uh so she can immediately feel the stakes of what situation what horrible situation she's in um and and then you see him jump into action and say all right we're gonna we're gonna help you like we're gonna figure this out and then we kind of go back and learn the background before we get back to her story and and then we watch the process of of trying to rescue her and it's really interesting so she um they, they end up meeting with her uh at like a mcdonald's and they have this whole cover story and she's the one who's you know going through the airport and it's those those really harrowing moments but I thought it was interesting to kind of build this, the main structure of the movie sort of around her story. Uh, so what did you think of that? And what did you think about Anya's story? Yes, um, I think another example of just how great of storytellers uh, this director and, and whoever involved um, mm-hmm. was for this project. Um, not only is this just like such a cut and clear, dry example of the horrors of this situation for so many mm-hmm. individuals, um, mm-hmm. It also, it gives you the, you know, that's the what and, you know, the why is pretty apparent, but the how of like, how are they, what are they going to do about it? And and so mm-hmm. you, you get an example of the situation so clearly laid out, but then some, some movie action of like, we have to rescue this person. And so yeah. not only is her story now, you know, at the forefront, but all these people on camera risking their own lives and safety to go and help a total stranger, it just, it, it was perfect. It's such a good way to bring in the audience, like get them engaged with the character, uh, uh, get them aware of the situation through a personal story. Um, it just, it's so gripping and it's, it's showing not telling to the extreme. Um, I thought mm-hmm. it was awesome. And I just want to mention, like, I think, you know, her story is, you know, one example of what many people faced, which is such a horrifying thing to me. Um, you know, I feel like so many mm-hmm. times when a, when a film, like especially a narrative film, it kind of, it shows you visuals of your worst fears imagined. But when you watch a mm-hmm. documentary, which shows you fears like mm-hmm. beyond what you could comprehend. And so for me, the most mm-hmm. horrifying part of this entire thing was this notion that the government is like changing the culture and, and turning families mm-hmm. against their own family members. Like it's not... It's not even the like ultimate horror we all imagine of like mm-hmm. s- like uniformed you know soldiers storming your home. It's your own family members being mm-hmm. brainwashed to to commit murder for a twisted yeah. oh it's and so yeah to to see a personal story of that happening and to see like the bravery of that character needing to escape it it just it hammers it in from the start of the movie how yeah. serious this is yeah absolutely yeah i thought it was a great a great way to open it and um i think you're right so so i guess we should explain a little more context for people who haven't seen this but it the, the chechen government is is on basically a 
crusade to um, quote unquote cleanse their culture of gay people, and and that's why people are such in hiding. And so you're you're alluding to Dyer there is that the one of the tactics they're using is yeah convincing family members to like, discreetly kill their gay family members, uh, and and that's what Anya is fearing from her own father. Um, so yeah, it's it's absolutely horrifying, and um, yeah, it, and that's that's where this movie starts. So. It's definitely an intense uh, watch for that reason. Oh yeah, it's it's like it's it's they're making the they're forcing you to fathom the unfathomable like, mm. with this yeah. with this right subject to this topic that's happening right now in the world. Yeah, yeah. which that actually is a, a good point too to bring up that like we can affect change in this way that if you go to the welcome to Chechnya website, which I'll link, it says, here's who you can donate to to help end this. And and so there are ways you can actually take action on this. Um, one of the other stories that it tells is of Grisha. Uh, but again, that's not his real name, but we meet him. And then um, basically the, the activists talk about the importance of someone going public about the torture that they've been through. So there are, are basically people being captured and tortured and often killed and um, very few people, you know, leave the torture chambers. But Grisha did because he was not born in Chechnya that they released him and then later regretted releasing him. Um, but as the story goes on, um, you find out he's he's going to go public. He's going to tell a story to the press and um, they talk about the significance of that. And he's going to try to challenge it in court uh, there in, in Chechnya and um, or actually in Moscow, I guess, in Russia uh greater russia but um so this again this is kind of getting to spoiling the movie a little bit but i mean you can look this up in the news so i'm not too concerned about it but there there is a moment where we're, we're watching him with his veiled face and he um goes before this this huge room of press and and just before he starts talking there's this close-up and then the veil lifts off his face um, so I wanted to talk about that moment and we, we see his real face for the first time and then we learn his real name. Um, how, what was your impression of that moment? Uh, you know, I feel like less than, less than five times in my life have I actually like had a jaw dropping experience <laughs> during a yeah. film, you know what I mean? And that is one of them easily. I mean, gasping, like yeah. it is so powerful. The effect, like how, I mean, you realize the true danger. You you realize how how genuinely effective this technology was because it looks like a mm. completely different person, and yeah. you um, and it's just you're you're just caught up in it. It is overwhelming. It is, is such an incredible move by them. Um, yeah, I thought yeah. it worked. I thought it worked very well. Yeah, it was such an interesting moment too because i when i realized oh we're about to see his real face actually before he was before they they unveiled him i thought so i mean all these people have their cameras pointed at him right now i can go look him up on the internet right and figure out who this really is uh and then i was oh they're gonna show us um and then i was like well why didn't they just show us from the beginning and they kind of going through all this mentally as i was watching but then i realized there is such a power in the act of unveiling and and we understand the stakes then and we're kind of put into his shoes at that moment of like he's been secretive he's been hiding how vulnerable he's making himself at this moment um and and yeah it, it it's a really breathtaking moment it really is and like i for anyone who you know even listening to this podcast who has not watched the film yet i know it sounds like a drag i know it sounds <laughs> really difficult to watch mm. but what i and and it is like undoubtedly it is hard to watch 
but this character's story is one of one of quite a few i would say but i'd say more than anyone else this character like you get to be you get to become so intimate with him um mm. you you really see his entire progress through this journey and and i'm like choking up thinking about it right now mm. but mm. he get he he is like he is a hero he's a real life hero mm. um undoubtedly and many, you know that's like said to him in the film a few times and it's oh it's so powerful but um but this is another example to me of of how effective this filmmaker was um and Mm. speaking as someone who has done some like intimate documentary work um you you can't do this stuff unless you get the trust of your subjects and like Mm. often often that requires you know time and, and and like experience with them and bonding um and there are moments where you, it's so evident that these filmmakers, both the you know the cam operators and the director, have really gained the trust of of all of them, but especially this character because he's just like opening his heart to the camera, and there's these little mm-hmm. incredibly happy, beautiful moments um, mm-hmm. of him like reuniting with his boyfriend and whatnot that mm-hmm. like ugh, they make this whole thing just yeah. infinitely worth the difficulty of watching it. Um, so to me, it just both yeah. speaks to mm-hmm. like the power of this actual human in the world, this subject, and also of the filmmaker and and the the success they've had in like becoming trusted and intimate with their with their subjects. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think yeah. So we should mention like yeah, this is a heavy movie, but there are those moments of joy in in it. I think that's important, like that moment when he's reunited with his partner and his whole family. So his whole family has to relocate, and we even have learned you know in the past. It was difficult for his mother to accept him. But then once she did, she was like all in and like, we're going to move to like and realize that she was not only because they're in danger, but because they're supporting him in this way. Um, so, yeah, it's really moving. And it's and it's showing real people going through this stuff. Um, yeah, that is that is welcome to Chechnya. It feels like a significant film. Um, uh, it sounds like we both recommend it pretty strongly. Uh, that is now streaming on HBO Max if you're in the United States. Um, I'll link to again to welcome to Chechnya's website where they have some other information about if you want to um, be involved in this. And um, yeah, any, any final thoughts on it, Dyer? I'm just like, it's amazing. I feel it in my whole body, how affected I was by it <laughs> again. Yeah. Like it's just coming up thinking yeah. of those specific moments. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I watched it and it's, you know, it's a good reminder that every once in a while you just like, you need to watch something that's like challenging and real and, and tough. Mm-hmm. And often it's rewarding yeah. even in, in, in happy mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, I think that's a good final word. One other thing I actually did want to mention too is that um, it, it part of the strategy is you know we have to get these people out. They're going to be refugees now. They have to find a country that will um, and they're they're seeking asylum that will grant asylum to them. And Canada has taken several in, uh, but it, the movie ends with a message that um, the Trump administration has not accepted anyone, uh, which is not surprising. Um, but it was very interesting to watch this like you know shortly after this election has been called and. Um, looking to a hopeful, a more hopeful future with it, uh, because the documentary definitely ends in, in, a, in a light of like, there, there's so much that needs to be done to fix this problem, and it's it's very much ongoing, uh, without you know a hugely hopeful ending really, but there was like that glimmer of hope, and that uh, you know at least maybe the United States can can become even even a little bit involved in helping solve this crisis would be um, a great thing. No, to just comment on what you just said, it's so true. Um, in so many ways, like 
I think everyone um, on whatever side you are has been so preoccupied in the U.S. with the goings-on in the U.S. that I think a lot of us, even those who attempt to be um, educated about what's going on in the rest of the world, I feel mm-hmm. like it's been pretty impossible for the past four years uh, or to, to some degree. And so yeah. it is such, it's such a good time for us to remember and realize what else is going on out there and that we can yeah. actually affect change to help it both as an individual by going to the website you mentioned, welcome to Chechnya.com. But also, yeah. yeah, as a country, like, what are, what is our future? Like, are we about to um, become a force of good or attempt to? And yeah, what's going to mm-hmm. happen? And I yeah. think it's time for us to start empathizing and reaching outward and looking outward again. Yeah, and as I was thinking about that too, like, saving people, I think, should be a nonpartisan uh, uh, issue. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that, yeah, that the United States can be part of the solution and not um, part of the problem. But anyway, that is welcome to Chechnya. Um, check it out. It's, it's, uh, worth your time. I think it's, um, doing important work, uh, in, in the world just by, um, being out there for people. So check that out. And, and thank you so much, Dyer, for, for joining me for this conversation. Such a pleasure. I'm hyped to talk with you more. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Art House Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes and you can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. If you want to support Art House Garage, you can leave a rating or review in your podcast app or you can buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com shop. Stay in the loop about Art House Garage and the Arkansas film community by subscribing to our email newsletter by going to arthousegarage.com slash subscribe or you can email me directly, Andrew, at arthousegarage.com and of course follow on social media you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and letterboxd just search at arthouse garage in all those places or you can find links in the show notes and that will do it for this episode thank you again so much for listening and until next time keep it snob free